we are rolling. So, hey, everybody. Uh, uh, welcome back to the Cynical About Things podcast. I'm Tom, and with me is Henry. Hey, everyone. And today we're going to be discussing the original trilogy. So I'm actually really curious about your answer on this, Henry, uh, because I'm sure it will be more nuanced than just cynical or not. But I really don't mm-hmm. know where you're coming at from this. So uh, <laughs> are you cynical about the Star Wars original trilogy? So before I answer that question, let me preface with this. Um, I don't hate any of the Star Wars movies, but I also don't really think any of them are like the second coming of Christ either. There's <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of good things and bad things I could say about all 11 of them. And I've gone into detail on that on my blog. So I'll try not to regurgitate too much of what I said there here just for the sake of trying to keep this conversation a little more unique. Um, that being said, to answer your question directly, because even though, yeah, there are things that I like and dislike about all the different movies, it is true that I favor some over others. I think that's just like human nature, you know, right, to right. pick favorites. Um, I, I really like A New Hope. Um, I really do think it deserves all the praise that it gets. Uh, is it a little dated now? Sure. But you got to remember that like in a few more months from now, the movie's going to turn 45 years old. Of course, right. it's a little bit dated now. Right. Any Anything will start to show its whiskers. You know, that. so like it's not 100% timeless, but it's like 95% timeless, I would say, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Now, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, boy. Um <laughs> I think is a really good movie. I think it is a well-made movie. I understand why it is as beloved as people say, but if I am being honest, I think it is a little bit overrated. Again, I I did the super controversial four-part series on my blog um, where I talked about why I think it's overrated, and that doesn't mean I think it's bad. People seem to get that confused. They think bad equals overrated or vice versa. That's not the case at all. Um, you know, I think that it's just not quite as perfect as everybody likes to act like it is. And on top of that, I think that it made some storytelling decisions that I think did might have done a little more harm than good for the franchise long term. And I think now that the so-called rise of Skywalker saga thing is over now, it's been over for two years and people have had time to look back on the whole thing with hindsight. More and more people seem to start to be picking up on that. But uh, we'll get into that as we you know, dive into this conversation. But that, at a high level, that's just kind of how I feel about Empire. Still like it. Just, you know, and yeah, it, like I said earlier, ain't the second coming of Christ. And then uh, Return of the Jedi. I don't I don't even know where to start with Return of the Jedi. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I've never really been a big Return of the Jedi guy, even when I was a little kid. It, it's not the Ewoks that bothered me so much, except for that one really stupid slapstick moment where one of the Ewoks goes spinning on the on the speeder bike. That Even as a six-year-old, I was like, ah, oh, come on, really? Like, <laughs> But it's, it's just more the overall like feel of the movie. Like, mm. I just remember being a little kid and thinking, like, really? Like, we've come all this way? Like, this is supposed to be, like, this big grand finale and we're ending on this? Like... I understand that Star Wars is best when it is kind of episodic in nature, but like if you are going to like advertise yourself as like this big grand finale, I feel like you got to go like all the way with it and Return of the Jedi for me at least doesn't really go all the way with it. It's not like epic enough. Like again, I remember being a little kid and like every single time I watched that movie, whenever it ended on the campfire ending where they're dancing around the campfire, I just remember thinking like this just doesn't feel right as an ending, you know, like 
it's not nuanced enough. I probably didn't say that like in the forefront of my mind at back then because I was only six years old. But that's that's definitely what the back of my mind was saying. Right. So like, and I have my issues with the sequel trilogy. We'll get into those eventually. But uh, I guess the one of the reasons why I'm not as hard on the sequel trilogy as most other people is because I remember being a kid and thinking like, you know, I was saying like, I hope we get a sequel trilogy someday because this just doesn't feel right as an ending to me. Like. I want something a little more, again, nuanced. And, you know, I have a lot of issues with Rise of Skywalker, but some of the things that that movie did felt more along the lines of what I always expected a so-called grand finale of Star Wars to look like. Like, I, I shit you not, I even remember kind of being a little kid and thinking, like, when, seeing that campfire scene and thinking, like, shouldn't this end with, like, Luke visiting, like, the ruins of his home? Isn't that how these kinds of stories usually end? And so I thought it was funny how Rise of Skywalker had an ending that was kind of like that. But, um. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I didn't even... Uh, I, I, <laughs> when I when I watched The Rise of Skywalker... I mean, we'll talk about these movies later. But when I watched yeah. The Rise of Skywalker, I was kind of just counting the minutes by the end. <laughs> um, so I actually didn't even pick up on the fact that uh yeah typically in like the hero's journey thing there is like a you can never go back sort of moment and luke doesn't Luke kind of has that a little bit with the look looking at the funeral pyre for that's Vader. what i was about to say that's the closest thing he has to that yeah. but other than that uh it's and also seeing the force ghost is like a kind of a reminder oh, that he's like always yeah. going to be in this jedi zone now that's and true his too. friends aren't yeah. um but in a in a literal sense, obviously, the rise of Skywalker hit that note much more like literally, and uh, I guess like in a way that is much more like satisfying. At least like at I least to my taste, yeah. Being a big fan yeah. of like myth and everything like that, yeah. Right. I, I didn't literally like the scene, but I have to admit that like it did the proper conclusion. Right. So with that being said, what do you think, uh, turning it over to you? Because uh, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about this as well. Yeah, actually, uh, I guess I'll go by each movie like you did. Okay. Um, so I basically agree with everything you said about uh, A New Hope, uh, the, the, the first movie. It's basically... Um, it's basically the best version of like Flash Gordon we're ever going to get. It's, I'm kind of disappointed mm -hmm. that like they're going to do another Flash Gordon movie because mm -hmm. it's almost <laughs> like um, art should sort of evolve. And I feel like Star Wars is just overtly a an evolution of Flash Gordon and uh, nails it. Uh, the the yeah. first movie absolutely nails Flash Gordon, and I think that that's great. Um, as you said, it's it's I guess it is showing its its. Uh, it's showing some whiskers a little bit. Some, it's just showing some whiskers some a little bit here yeah. and there. Um, yeah. I th things that I still really like about it, even from like a, even from like a, tw like a you know twenty first century more like progressive mindset or whatever, is that like I feel like Leia is still a very like compelling woman in like 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 actually like stand up kind of uh figure when they bust her out of prison like she just takes the gun and like starts firing and so yeah, it's like oh yeah, okay yeah. cool that there are a couple cool. moments yeah. where it's like she's a little too damsel in distressy sort of thing but again like that's uh, a product of the the 70s um yeah. so i feel like they started leia's character off on a good foot and like uh, gave her room to become a more relevant character later if they wanted to. Um, yeah. So that was cool. Um, and I feel like the Empire, it, they just did it right in in the first movie. Like, they're the perfect combination of just this, like, 
militaristic force and also like bureaucracy like you see the internal like squabbling politics where vader like chokes that guy yeah uh, and obviously they're just set up to be completely unstoppable with the death star inside so i, I feel like the they they really nailed those concepts in mm-hmm. the first movie going into empire strikes back so for context for people listening maybe it was like six months ago seven months ago eight months ago something like that uh henry like started reaching out to me saying like ah, i think the, i think the, the the origins of this like star wars crisis actually are like with the um the no i am your father moment and that kind of like got me thinking i read his blog posts and everything and i re-watched a lot of the star wars movies in that time and i definitely started to see what he meant or what you meant <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Because the issue is that things are really, like, tempted to dive into this, like, I I hate to say it, but, like, kind of, like, stupid, generic, like, family values sort of system for storytelling. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they're shouldn't be a place for that in storytelling obviously there should be and it's not also it's also not that that the place for that should only be in like disney movies or whatever like there's obviously places for like family value stuff in very like serious more adult things or whatever but um i feel like it doesn't belong in star wars yeah and the reason for that is that i feel like star wars being like such a high octane like adventure sort of story really should fall into the category of like your found family as in like the wacky people you meet along the way out in the galaxy like Han Solo and Luke and whatnot and Chewie um and bringing in literal family elements is a really high risk and I would say with you know hindsight uh looking at the result of the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy it was a risk that did not pay off <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say it didn't even pay off with the Return of the Jedi. Even that movie, like, uh, yes, it's muddled. Yeah, and that's actually what exactly what I was going to get into is that I think my opinion is a little bit more lenient towards Empire Strikes Back specifically than you. Um, I still agree with you that I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, there's definitely things that I would change with it. I feel like they give Leia a much more backseat role in it, which I don't really like. I feel like uh, yeah, she should have been a more upfront leader and maybe like, uh, maybe there should have been something in like the second act of her, like of her trying one plan with the Falcon trying to escape and then Han trying another plan or something just to give something them equal like that, parts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's really hard to change because, like, I really do like so much of that movie that I, like, don't want to touch it. But it definitely has issues that that I think should have been addressed. Um, yeah. But getting into Return of the Jedi, I rewatched it in the past two days. Um, and I have to say, I think I'm going to lay... 99% of the blame at the feet of Return of the Jedi and 1% of the blame at the feet of Empire Strikes Back and I guess to like use an analogy mm-hmm. it's like if you are, if you're like playing basketball and you pass to a guy who has 
not like an easy layup. Don't get me wrong. Concluding Star Wars was never going to be just like a joke. Like anybody could write it and nail it or whatever. But they have like a believable route to the basket. And they just like, I don't know, like literally just pass the ball to a defender. Like, and they just mm-hmm. lose it. I feel like that's kind of the relationship between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Empire yeah. Strikes Back gave Return of the Jedi a believably good premise, even with the inserting the father thing dynamic into it. Mm-hmm. And Return of the Jedi just basically at every step of the way, like kind of falls on its face, I think. Yeah. Um, I, so so really quickly to elaborate on what I think could have been the outcome of The Empire Strikes Back in a good way with the father thing mm-hmm. is that there's always been like the the um you know samurai element to to Jedi and whatnot. And I I feel like the like paternalistic like my father is the shogun and he is a bad shogun and I need to overthrow him sort of thing in like Sengoku Jidai-esque J- Japanese storytelling mm-hmm. could have been a really cool way to pit the relationship between Luke and Vader going into Return of the Jedi where like Luke sees Vader as like a failed version of himself and almost has more like anger towards him and like believes he's like incompetent uh and what's weird is that return of the jedi sort of almost makes luke seem like that at the beginning where he's like this like kind of like edgy badass uh like he's walking around like force persuading everybody like he like tries chokes a a pig a gamorian guard he chokes a gamorian he tries to like uh force pull a blaster into his hand and shoot Jabba and it's like oh dang this guy is going rogue like he's he's after Vader because he thinks Vader's like a a, look a tyrant sort of thing Mm -hmm. and then later in the movie it's sort of I think at the moment where Luke asks Yoda is it true that Vader is my father and Yoda's like yep uh that the story kind of softens Luke. Yeah, his whole personality suddenly changes. And I think that goes along with what a lot of people say, that how that whole intro sequence with them rescuing Jabba almost feels like it's supposed to be a completely different movie than the rest of the movie. Yeah, and that moment where... Um, yeah, uh, Rich Evans from, uh, from Red, Red Letter Media, Media. Right, says the Red one who says that. And uh, mm-hmm. what's funny is I remember you quoting him on that, and I... like in my mind going like, ah, oh, that doesn't really seem to make sense to me. But this time upon rewatching it, I was like, Oh no, that's actually exactly correct. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think that moment on Dagobah when he revisits Yoda is actually the moment in star Wars where like the pansy family values crap got inserted. And thus, like for me, that scene is where a big chunk of the problems really start. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that some of the blame fall. I know I said 99%, 1%, probably is more like 80%, 20%, or mm-hmm. 90%, 10%, whatever we, whatever we yeah, want yeah. to say. Obviously, it was a big risk to do it in The Empire Strikes Back. But if you watch The Empire Strikes Back and ignore, like, and can successfully remove the other movies from your head, I don't think the Empire Strikes Back actually does much wrong. In 
in when the the yeah, father in a son... vacuum it's a good movie yeah it's when yeah. you start to factor in how it impacted things in the long run is when the problems start to kind of show through but yeah but i actually uh, see that's the thing is i think it's return of the jedi that actually started impacting things in the long run the the mm-hmm. empire strikes back just kind of went like hey do what you want and it seems like they had one idea that they started with and then changed it in Return of the Jedi. I don't know why. Well, my perception is even correct there. No, it is correct because you you don't need to look any further than the fact that the original script draft for Return of the Jedi was called Revenge of the Jedi. And it was much more in line with the darker tone that Empire was starting to push the franchise towards. So, but you also the reason why I put more blame on Empire than you and pretty much anybody else on this planet <laughs> is because <laughs> I know I'm a contrarian with that. But um, um, Empire wasn't even part of their so-called original plan. Uh, they had a different sequel that they were going for uh, called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which they ended up publishing as a book instead, because Basically, what happened was that their story that they say is that Splinter was never taken seriously, that it was always meant to just be a low budget backup script in case A New Hope didn't make any money. And while I do think there might be some truth to that, um, I do think it's pretty clear when you go read that book that all these things that ended up showing up in Empire, like Vader being Luke's father and all this other stuff was definitely not originally part of the planet. Lucas likes to try to rewrite his own history and say that it always was, but there's just, there's enough evidence out there to show that it isn't. And you don't even need to look at Splinter. You could just look at the original draft of Empire Strikes Back that Leigh Brackett wrote for Lucas. And you could see that they were still kind of thinking about keeping it much more in vain of like the light pulpy flash Gordon-y kind of tone. And so my kind of uh, takeaway is that I think Star Wars should have always stayed there. I think Star Wars should have never even tried to get dark in the way that Empire made it dark. So that's kind of why I put more of the blame on Empire than I, well, I don't get me wrong. I still like Empire as a movie better than Return of the Jedi, but I do think people underestimate just how much Empire really like muddied the whole tone because another thing is Lucas's producing partner, Gary Kurtz talked about how when Empire originally came out, it was not well received. And for all you out there listening who are confused as to why I don't like Empire as much as the rest of the world does, and you don't want to go read my 10,000 word manifesto on it, just go to the Wikipedia page for the movie, like Empire Strikes Back's Wikipedia page, go to the reception section and read the first couple paragraphs that tell you what critics were saying back when the movie originally came out in 1980 and that should give you more or less of an idea of why i don't like that movie as much as everyone else does because i actually think that those critics back in the day had they they were the ones who had the right idea you know like people these days would be like oh no they didn't know what they were talking about but like no they were the professional adults who like knew how to do their jobs when reviewing movies and like (laughs) didn't let childhood nostalgia judgment you all saw that movie when you were in diapers. That is the difference. I'm sorry to sound like a dick, but I'm just, you know. Um, that being said, um, when it comes to Empire in particular, uh, so Gary Kurtz talked about how people didn't like it when it was originally new. It was very divisive, much like another movie that came out 40 years later, which we will talk about eventually. And um, that kind of made them abandon their revenge of the Jedi plans. Cause suddenly Lucas now wanted to go back to the pulpy fun spirit of adventure kind of feel of a new hope. The problem is, is that once you make a movie like empire, you it's too late. You've crossed the line. You can't go back to the fun, happy shit. Now 
you've pushed this thing in like the more darker adult direct. You got to keep growing with the character now and growing with the audience. So it's either Star Wars should have always just been like this loose, episodic, not taking itself too seriously type of thing. Or it should have just kept getting darker and darker as Luke got older and older. One or the other. You cannot do both. And that Return of the Jedi tried to do both. So that so ultimately, I do agree with you that more of the blame falls on Return of the Jedi in that respect. But I guess I just felt the need to address that to show that like Empire is not completely innocent in all this either as far as causing what eventually became known as like the Star Wars movie identity crisis, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I, all that makes sense. Uh, and uh, we've talked about that pretty extensively. So, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. that, I know I know you and I have in our private. Yeah. I'm regurgitating it for the people listening. Absolutely. So. It's for the benefit of the audience. I yeah. think um, I think the thing that at least has ended up being sort of my position in all of this, because mm-hmm. uh, this is an important point to clarify for the audience, too, because I know that we're talking about this in the context of the trilogy uh, and trilogy people, at least in my opinion, are unduly unduly obsessed with trilogies oh that was um, another part i wanted to rant it about but i'll let you finish your point yeah. yeah um in my personal opinion uh there is room for both just never in a trilogy and this right. is this yes. is my yes. this is this is what i was going to I say agree is, with you. Yep. It, at the end of empire in my opinion what should have happened is okay well at the end of empire i should say at the start of the the third movie of what whatever would become we become return it. of the jedi yeah 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 what should be is that luke has become a bit grittier and he's going after han because he likes han uh and he rescues han that could be the entire movie who knows but the point is Han comes out of that with like a new lease on life. And the whole the whole thing in Star Wars could be this really interesting double character arc thing where Luke goes from being the chipper kid shooting womp rats back home uh, to blowing up the Death Star and being the hero to discovering that his own lineage is responsible for like the death of Uncle Owen and whatnot and Aunt, uh, what's her name? Baru. Baru. I was about to say Aunt May. I'm too in Spider-Man <laughs> mode. Um, yeah. but uh, uh, and he could become the darker, uh, still hero, but like more serious, more stoic. Give him more of like a character that makes him a little bit more, uh, you know, respectable on the tier of like Han Solo, and then. Han could be the person who starts out as this jaded kind of scumbag. Oh, in a new I see hope. what you're saying. And he helps blow up the Death Star. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. These rebel guys kind of like me. I did the right thing here. But, you know, they're getting a little too close. I really don't want to fight their war for them. And then he gets Carbonite frozen. And then the rebels organize a rescue attempt and succeed. And he wakes up and he's like, whoa, those guys actually came after me? Like, I would have left me. Yeah. And he gets a new lease on life and his story becomes the more the fun Flash pulpy. Gordon one. Yes. That yeah. is a great pitch, dude. I never thought of that, but I like yeah. that. So, in my opinion, there is room for both. 
in that way obviously because we're obsessed with trilogies we were never going to get that because that would require they're almost starting to be like a han solo arc and a luke arc right but, which to be fair they almost went that route too uh, because in in between the time when new hope and empire came out not only was there the splinter of the mind book which did not have han in it and the reason they it didn't have han in it is because they didn't know if harrison ford was going to sign back on for more movies so if they had to go low budget they didn't want to invest in him again so that one was just luke and leia off on their own adventure but then the publishers were like well we want a han book out there on shelves too so then they started publishing han books where han and chewie were going on more like flash gordon type adventures those books were basically like indiana jones in space and actually one of them even involved han and chewie having to find a crystal skull so it was like indiana jones before indiana jones even existed i i, I actually have a, a little theory of mine that i think the reason indiana jones exists is because once star wars started to move more in the family right. drama type direction lucas decided to channel his you know inner childhood ambitions of making like doc savage type movies into a different property basically he took what he probably was originally at least subconsciously thinking about doing with star wars and redirected it elsewhere but again that's like my theory i feel like it would personally to me i feel like it would work really well and that that was already the direction that empire was sort of taking it is that like at the end of so like at the start of empire han is like no, 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 I don't want to hang out with the Rebels. You guys are losers. I'm leaving. And then he gets roped back into it because of the attack on Hoth. And by the end, uh, like, he does, like, the ultimate... <laughs> he does the ultimate simp move, the beta beta male move. He, he admits that he loves Leia. And it's well, like... Well, he oh. doesn't really... He's, he just says, I know. But yeah, I, but I, like, I get it. It's implied. I get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's like... Uh, he admits it in his rem- in admittedly his cocky way. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you you were never going to take the cockiness out of Han, which is actually a huge problem with Return of the Jedi. They do, uh, but you see, I kind of like Han hugging teddy bears and shit in Return of the Jedi. I don't know, just because it's like, oh, he's starting to be a dad, you know. Like that's kind of my takeaway on that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Though. Says the anti-family values man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so I am kind of being a hypocrite there, but I, I think it's just more about like the feel of it if that makes sense well see i like i like han being the guy who secretly loves everybody but never wants to show it i i like yeah that's i I like that yeah uh and let me be clear not even secretly loves everybody because i mean like the the it's obvious that he cares yeah yeah yeah. but uh I think that Empire was already kind of pushing it in that direction. And I think Mm. that it did a halfway decent job. And I feel like the revival of Han from Carbonite could have been the cornerstone in him becoming like truly like kind of like chipper Han, like uh, hugging Ewoks and whatnot or whatever you want. Um, (laughs) And rescuing Han and like seeing the brutality of the empire, like freezing this guy in carbonite and selling him off Java or whatever, uh, could have been the point at which Luke realizes it's like, oh, this isn't about Womp Rats anymore. Like, this is about vengeance. This is about like my dad being a piece of crap. This is about avenging the rebels and Han and everything. So, I, I, but then Return of the Jedi just kind of bails on that i guess um, yeah lucas's whole mindset was that jedi don't seek revenge and like while i understand where he's coming from there that was like the start of like the kind of problems we saw in the prequels actually of like the jedi being too 
distant and weird and just unrelatable, you know, to, I mean, I get the whole Zen thing that he was going for, but, uh, yeah, no, but I do, I do understand like what you're, you're trying to say there as well, though. Yeah. Well, it's also just, um, it's also weird because I don't really, don't get me wrong. I, I think that with the, the thing that I'm suggesting, I'm not saying that my thing is like a bulletproof plan. And I'm also not even saying that it's particularly easy to do. I'm just saying that I think the blueprint was already there. Uh, but one thing that I generally don't like, and I think that uh, both prequel trilogy and sequel trilogy movies end up struggling with this because Return of the Jedi sowed the seeds of this, is that they're they're trying to keep like the serious tone and the kiddie tones in the same movies. Yeah. Yeah. Return which of the is, Jedi was the first movie to try to do that coming off of empire. Yeah. And, which is like such a bad idea. It is. Like, and every single movie since then has basically done that too. With the exception of, I, I hate to say it, but the two Abrams movies are the ones that for me at least don't really have that issue as much with the tone fluctuation. They have their own issues. The Abrams movies, you can make the argument, are the worst ones in the whole franchise just because of other problems that those movies have, like with the mystery boxes and the over-reliance on nostalgia and all that other stuff. But I'm saying as far as like tone goes, and it, they're not quite as bad, but like uh, the prequels and even to an extent the last jedi and return of the jedi they all kind of have that problem for me where like they they can't decide if they're kids movies or adult movies if that makes sense yeah the abrams ones are a little bit more stable i would almost say that they're like stable to the point of being sterile but uh, i was yeah. gonna say stale yeah yeah uh, <laughs> so, they are almost... definitely more stable mm-hmm. i would agree with that but i was going to say um one thing that <clears throat> i don't like is like why can't there be Jedi who are Zen and Jedi who are vengeful? Like, yeah. I, the, I don't understand why those can't exist in the same universe. To yeah, be perfectly honest, Obi-Wan <laughs> and like in the original trilogy, Obi-Wan is kind of this like gentle master who like almost like doesn't want like to expose Luke to all of this stuff. Whereas Yoda is almost kind of like a dick. Like, like yeah. Yoda's harsh. Like he's yeah, kind yeah. of mean, and he's in, he's like Yoda's like a track coach version of a Jedi. Like you know, yeah, exactly. Like a, yeah, and, and like Luke gets exposed to those, and you can almost tell that Luke is kind of like shocked by Yoda because Yoda's just like, "Well, you failed already, bitch." Like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, whereas Kenobi's more like the "It's okay, just try again" kind of. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> so I kind of like that those two, those two. Uh, yeah. characters like exist in the same universe yeah and, yeah you know why can't luke just become like the mean guy oh not even the mean guy but like the little bit edgier like more or, a little bit more serious like, take like the best bits and pieces from both of his mentors kenobi and yoda and kind of be like his own sort of hybrid of those you know what i mean like um like yeah, yeah i i guess i it's hard to put into words what i'm thinking there just now but i think you know what i mean but yeah. no, I, I definitely agree with you. The Jedi are, have always been way more nuanced than George Lucas likes to admit. <laughs> and and for the record, I know I'm shitting on George Lucas a lot. I do think the guy gets way too much shit. I do feel bad for him. But but come on, let let's let's be honest here. The the dude's brain is upside down. <laughs> like he he's a nut. He's a nut in all the the good ways and all the bad ways. You know, what I mean, like we wouldn't have had Star Wars without him. And you do got to give him some props for that. But like he long term he kind of shot himself in the foot with a lot of his decisions that he made creatively uh yeah for sure and i mean unfortunately i think that like 
when you make something as popular as him, he probably had so many people flocking around him. True. It got, it got uh, too big to be, it got out of his control. Yeah. Yeah. And, I agree there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, um, it, or, it seems to me that like, yeah, he, he almost kind of underestimated or I don't know, even know what the word is. Like he wanted star Wars to be kind of like, simpler than maybe it could have been and maybe that was because people were trying to like write all of these different things on top of it and he wanted to sort of like prove everybody wrong and just be a contrarian and say like no none of that's true it's just a stupid story about Ewoks like which I mean I can kind I think I understand the idea behind that like when you get you know um, slapped in the face you kind of want to slap everybody back sort of thing yeah but um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that he kind of like what what is it like caught off cut off the nose to spite his face like sort of thing. It's like he kind of like sabotaged himself to yeah. to prove everybody else wrong, which I think is a you know it's just an unfortunate thing I guess for the course of Star Wars as a property. Yeah, but yeah, I I think um that that is my summary and my pitch on why I think the vast majority of the blame is on Return of the Jedi and that the real blame that Empire has is simply taking the risk. And maybe the writer should have known that it was never going to pan out because people are obsessed with trilogies and there was going to be backlash to Empire being darker. Well, uh, to be uh, fair, the trilogy thing was not really like, were trilogies even really that popular before Star Wars? You had Lord of the Rings, but I can't really think of any others. Yeah, that's a good point i mean um what like dune was being but dune t- got turned into like six books uh yeah well that that happened in the uh when did the fourth dune book come out was it before or after star wars um shit i wish i, I had researched that before we did this but yeah i don't i don't know i, yeah. I couldn't tell you but uh, I mean, what, late 70s? I feel like he probably wrote four books before the late 70s, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he died in 86. I know the fifth and sixth books were written like back to back, like right before he died. So it it was right around the time the original Star Wars trilogy was happening when he wrote that fourth one. Uh, Herbert, I mean. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, uh, that means. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, uh, you, actually, a lot of what you're saying right now is really opening my eyes to, uh, uh, you know, like maybe I have been a little too hard on Empire these last couple of years. Because for the record, I used to love Empire just as much as everybody else. I used to think that movie was the best thing since sliced bread. It was after Rise of Skywalker came out. And like I said, put all this into like 2020 hindsight when I start thinking like, all right, where did this all really go wrong? And. I started to realize that a lot of the things people have grown to hate about star Wars, like the confusing tones, the, is it about family? Is it not about family? You know, as in like bloodlines, as opposed to like the found family angle. Yeah. um, I mean like the force suddenly being like a physical superpower that started an empire lightsaber fights being all about flips and shit. That's in empire. The fight is great, but it's set a bad precedent for like fights in the later movies and stuff like that. So just a lot of things that are are not even that just the whole thing about like Palpatine now being the end goal was the thing that empire also started. Because if you watch the, a new hope in a vacuum, there's nothing in that movie that suggests that Vader was seduced to the dark side by the guy who runs the empire. 
you didn't know who the emperor was in a new hope he's just mentioned in a quick throwaway line and as a matter of fact the novelization that came out around the same time described him as basically being like a space richard nixon doofus there was no nothing in the novelization to indicate he had any force powers so as far as the original movie is concerned empire was just a jedi who just turned bad just because you know and this idea that like to resolve all the different story threads you got to kill the one guy who's pulling all the strings that wasn't really a thing until empire and while in the short term that's compelling it does lead to problems in the long term where if you do decide to then kill that guy who's the puppet master pulling all the strings you're left in a position where you go well crap now what what if we want to make more stories what do we even do now and it, it, it creates a problem where now all the stories that take place after that suddenly feel like an afterthought which we saw not only with the sequel trilogy but also with the old expanded universe from the 90s they came out with all those books that take place after return of the jedi and people like to look back on those books with rose-colored glasses now but i'm old enough to remember when those books were coming out and they were not as warmly received back then either you know the, a lot of the same things people complain about now with the sequel trilogy they complained about back then with books like dark empire and legacy of the force how it all feels like a weird afterthought and you know to just kind of like creating a, a character like palpatine and introducing him the way you do an empire that causes those kinds of problems but to be fair to the filmmakers they didn't have that hindsight back when they made that movie they didn't know you know like the, what kind of longevity star wars would really have i suppose or they might have had a subconscious idea of it that it would never be this never-ending thing but they didn't know for sure so I can't be too harsh on them in that regard either. Um, I realize I rambled a lot there, but I think I'm really sorry about that. Uh, yeah. For those of you listening, I have a lot of thoughts about star Wars, so it's hard for me to kind of like wrangle my thoughts. And, but um, I guess the point that I was trying to make is that a lot of what you're saying though, has helped me to realize that empire is not quite as problematic as I was thinking it was over these last two years. Cause like you said, you can have both. You can have light movies and dark movies. It's just that they have to be different fucking movies. And you yep. can't do that in a trilogy. So this whole it's that's the real problem is this whole trilogy, a trilogy nonsense. And I think that was the point that I wanted to get at was that um, when you have that going in, you're just boxing yourself in way too much because even though there is some universal truth to the idea that all stories are a beginning, a middle and an end that rhythm of three, I was reading a really interesting magazine article the other day by some author whose name I can't remember right now. And they were saying that there is some truth to that, but when you're writing a story, you have to treat that rule of three idea. Like it's the steel beams hidden inside a concrete building that, you know, they're there holding the building together, but you can't see them. And that's the problem with Star Wars is that it doesn't treat the rule of three idea like the steel beams. It treats it like the building. It beats you over the head with that rule of three notion. You know what I mean? Like to the point where it becomes a detriment to the story. Does Henry, that make sense? That Henry, analogy? I, I'm, I'm confused. Isn't it the rule of two? There's yeah. always two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, that was just a dumb Star Wars joke that I actually kind of hate myself for even saying but anyway yeah i do i do i do know exactly what you mean i'm not a huge fan of trilogies i am uh, uh pretty on record as saying that i don't really know of a third installment in something that is meant to be a trilogy that is good good yeah patrick yeah. wilhelms uh he's a 
YouTuber movie critic guy. He did a video about that. And because a lot of the, the the third movies in a trilogy that people do say aren't even really trilogies like Lord of the Rings. That's not really a trilogy. I know I mentioned it as an example earlier, but Peter Jackson wrote all three of those books together as one big book. Mm-hmm. You know, which is you, that's how you got to do it. The whole like have a you can't just like have an outline or have a plan or a roadmap because things change when between installments when you're making them. So it's like if you really want to commit to that notion, you got to do what Tolkien did and, and actually like write all three of these things at the same time, like fully write them, draft them, the prose, everything and do like what Peter Jackson did when he made the movies, which is where you actually make them, you know, film them, edit them, do all that at the same time you know, treat it all as one big story if you really want to go with that notion of, you know, a trilogy being one big story like that. And then other trilogies that people, you know, like praise are movies that aren't even, like Indiana Jones for a long time was three movies, but that's not really a trilogy. Those are just like three movies that... It's just an anthology. Yeah, yeah. That, that have like fuck all to do with each other. Same with Mad Max and shit like that. So you are right that when it comes to most actual trilogies, the third movie usually sucks, <laughs> like yeah, Dark Knight I, Rises, Spider-Man 3, Superman 3, you know, right. they suck. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, and also um, a, a, probably a, an even better catch-all for it, if you want to be a little bit more lenient, is like, I don't know of a third installment that is the best in a series. Nobody, like, ever thinks that. That the, yeah. the third, that the fine, the finale is the best. Like, right again, uh, Return of the King, but like I just said before, not really a trilogy. So, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that, like, I think that Lord of the Rings, those movies and the books are sort of one of those things that it's just kind of like so universally good that when people say, "What's your favorite one?" almost any answer is acceptable. That's true. I've heard a lot of people say Two Towers, a lot of people say Fellowship, and they all there's yep. merit to all of them. Yeah, but yeah. Are, I mean, personally, I think that fellowship is i just love the world building in that so i mean the fellowship yeah, does fair. the most of that so yeah uh and also i don't really care about aragorn so <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know yeah, but I mean, um, he, he is kind of just a boring jesus ripoff so <laughs> yeah and like uh, a perfect example is um something that where all three installments if you want to call installments uh yeah. are good but i would say that the third one is where it starts fumbling a lot is avatar the last airbender the first and second seasons are great and the third season is good it's a competent conclusion to the story but it's where a lot of the flaws start showing and it's also where a lot of the writing gets lazy so it's it's uh if you want to extend this into video games too it's like the mass effect series went totally off the rails in the third one uh like halo is a totally different story in the third one uh like all these things people really struggle to conclude a story properly and it's because it's very difficult when you didn't set up an exact roadmap ahead of yeah time. well no well like i said it's even when you do have a roadmap like things change you know like when as you're writing it along so even that it's like i said you gotta just I feel like if you really want to commit to it, you just got to go all the way and write everything at the same time, really write everything, not just outline everything, you know, and when you're making a movie, really film everything and edit everything all together. I really think that's the only way to do it. If you want to commit to that idea of trilogies being like the end all be all of everything. That being said, uh, I just thought of one third installment of a trilogy that a lot of people do say is the best one. Can you guess what it is? Uh, Is it No Way Home? No, <laughs> good one though. But uh, probably I, that one's still too new. 
because at the time of this recording, it's only been out for like a few weeks. So I oh don't... oh oh, is it the one that it's the one that isn't actually a movie about the character? Is it is it a Captain America: Civil War? Uh, no, that one I think most people still say Winter Soldier is the best. Oh, okay, it's also movie. Just that... Aven- it's also just an Avengers. Movie. It's Avengers two point five. Yeah, <laughs> working on <laughs> well, the movie the... I'm thinking of is Revenge of the Sith. A lot of people say that that's their favorite of the prequels, but that one is cheating because it's a prequel. <laughs> they already knew where the story was going, so it's not that hard to fuck that up. And especially considering the fact that I, I actually like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones more than most people do. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we ever get to the prequels. Is that uh, uh, you know I do think that those movies have lots of problems, but I've kind of come full circle on them that I think they're not as bad as a lot of other people do because most people still rank those two like at the very bottom of their rankings phantom and attack but um most people do praise revenge of the sith but the thing about phantom and attack is that as much as i like them they didn't really do much to work towards the original trilogy they were just kind of kicking the can in that regard so then revenge of the sith kind of had to do all the heavy lifting as far as like getting everybody into their original trilogy starting positions so it kind of had a little cheat you know built into it but I mean, you must notice that, though, right? Like that a lot of people praise Revenge of the Sith. And yeah, I've uh, I've never really been a huge fan of Revenge of the Sith. I think I would have been, you know, like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there when I when I watched it. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think that that was like the perfect age where I didn't care about like the action as much and i feel like in in theory the action is like quote unquote the biggest appeal of revenge of the sith i think that the you know revenge of the sith revenge of the sith is almost like a (laughs) it's almost like a monument to how wrong return of the jedi is like it's all about family stuff. It's all about tonal fluctuations. It's all about like fancy lightsaber battles. It's oh all... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, don't get me wrong. On I... a personal level, Revenge of the Sith has some of the things that I think are the worst about Star Wars. I, I was just speaking in regards to the general consensus, like what people in general usually oh, say. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I misinterpreted there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I of of the prequel trilogy it's almost like the thing that people say is like oh man all the prequel movies should have been like this or whatever yeah yeah which i yeah again personally i disagree there but yeah like that's you know i was sort of speaking on behalf of like the audience i guess in that regard right but, yeah no revenge yeah. of the sith is um i do agree with you it's the one with the worst tonal fluctuations out of all of them we're getting ahead of ourselves here cuz now we're getting into prequel territory but I just I mean, kind of felt. The I will say this: yeah. it's easily the best one with the 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 best memes. But but that's <laughs> uh, I mean that's that's mostly what it brings to the table. Which I mean, yeah. there's a point to be made that that's great. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess that that is true. That that's like a case where it's the third installment is kind of widely perceived as the best. But I think you made a good point in that it's a lot easier to make a trilogy that is going towards a story that's already been written because you just need, you know, the bullet points you need to check off. And to be fair, even that shit, he didn't really pull off because there's still continuity errors. Like how does Leia remember Padme? Why does Kenobi forget that R2 exists when he sees him again in New Hope? You know, there's still, I know that there's like semantics like, Oh, Leia used force memory and Kenobi was just playing dumb, but 
technicalities, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's stuff that, you know, you can tell that they were made totally separately from each other. Yeah. But that's sort of the thing. It's like, if you're going to do a trilogy, you should write it out all ahead of time. And if you're going to do a trilogy of trilogies, you should write it out all ahead of time. Because it's really obvious that there are, like, there are discontinuities between all of these things. So, For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, I kind of, I, I think I mentioned to you like a week ago or something like that, or earlier this week, maybe I don't know. Um, that I had like a a newfangled theory on on Empire Strikes Back that I wanted to pitch to you, and that basically was it. I mean, um, upon watching Return of the Jedi, and I have fairly recently, like in the last nine months, rewatched uh, A New Hope and Empire. Um, uh-huh. I feel like that is the the direction that they could have taken. I think that movies. would have been the best, the best like compromise of everything. You know what I mean? Like you could yeah. have some movies where you're you're showing some growth, grow with the character, grow with the audience, that do something different, and some movies where you're still hearkening back to the roots of like why we all fell in love with this shit in the first place. Uh, but like you know, not do it like don't call some of them spinoffs, like treat them all equally. You know what I mean? Like that's the problem is that because like star Wars, like values certain movies over others, you know, like now the whole Skywalker saga thing is over, you know, casual audiences, they hear that like all these upcoming movies are just going to be spinoffs and they like roll their eyes in annoyance. Cause like to a casual, why would you want to go see a movie that's being treated as like a lesser being than the movies that come before? But if they had just kind of, gone in more of a direction like what you're suggesting where you have all these different kinds of movies coexisting together that and don't treat one of higher value than another like don't do episode numbers don't do any of that stuff uh, i think it could have worked you know you could have movies like empire movies like splinter of the mind's eye coexist or something like splinter you know but better <laughs> uh coexisting together yeah yeah it also would have been cool like to have it's like you can almost just imagine what it would be too is like I mean, this is maybe getting into like numeral territory but it's like you have star wars and then you have star wars empire strikes back and then you start doing like star wars hans adventures and then like star wars luke's quest yeah yeah, yeah. just sort of like spider web it yeah you kind of like it spider yeah. webs out yeah and here's the thing clone wars kind of does this this is uh, uh, that's another thing is that after i watched rise of skywalker i kind of still had a hunger for star wars but all the movies were over so then i went and watched the clone wars which i'd only seen bits and pieces of before i used to kind of treat animation as like a lesser art form i i hate to admit but almost now now i i actually almost want to say i love animation more than live action and that i think like everything should just kind of be a fucking cartoon after a certain extent (laughs) and clone wars for me like does star wars better than star wars does star wars like because it, it does a lot of these things that you're suggesting. It Does it do it perfect? No. There, I do have issues with that show, too. I think sometimes it gets way too political for its own good. You, you know, I have, I have issues with it. But I think that kind of scratched that itch for me a little more of, like, it's able to be everything all at once, you know? Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I agree with that. I've watched less of The Clone Wars than you have, but I've watched, I think, what people consider to be, like, the most important chunks of it. Yeah, um, and I would agree with that. I think that um, uh, I don't think that I have like quite as big of like a love for it, but I think that it's 
probably one of the stronger parts of Star Wars overall. Um, uh, like Anakin is way cooler in it and stuff. Like he's a, he's a yeah, much he's more believable. Yeah. yeah, he's a much more like believable, both like hero and also like believable candidate to turn into Darth Vader. Um, yeah, which is the two things that you need to get right. Uh, yep, and and the prequels didn't at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the um, the Clone Wars does offer like a decent look at what it kind of could have turned into because you have more serious episodes in that, and you have way more like fun, totally detached from. Uh, the Clone Wars, they're just like a day in the life of the Star Wars universe sort of episodes. And that's yep. what it kind of always should have been, I think. Agreed. Agreed. Now, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, and just really quickly to summarize, despite the flaws that I see in Empire, why I forgive Empire for the things that happened to Star Wars is that Return of the Jedi was the one that closed that future off, not Empire. Empire. Yeah, yeah. Return of Je- I mean, yeah. Empire kind of lit the flame, but Return of the Jedi like sealed its fate, like put the nail in the coffin of like. You well, know. And, and actually, like Empire kind of, so Empire sealed it off. Empire does deserve criticism if you always wanted Star Wars to just be Flash Gordon. Empire does deserve to be disliked for that reason because it did close that off because it went dark. However. Yeah it opened a door. It opened the door that was you have dark movies and lighter movies. Return of the Jedi doomed Star Wars to be this tonal nightmare for the rest of time and didn't open any doors. It just just screwed itself over. And that's why I really don't like that movie. Yeah. No, I totally see what you're saying now, actually. That being said, there are still things about Empire that like isolated on its own that i still have some issues with like you mentioned the leia thing like you if you read like a plot summary of that of empire strikes back like on paper like read the wikipedia summary or something leia basically does fuck all in that movie she basically just sits around and complains and cock teases luke quite frankly and uh i don't know i on paper i really don't like the han and leia romance i i i in in practice it works because the actors have amazing chemistry and all that but like if if you kind of just like look at the relationship like how it's presented on paper i think it's kind of toxic to be honest with you maybe that was the point but i understand it's very like old hollywood so yeah i i really do think that something something needs to happen in the second act where like Leia is responsible for some victory that they have in the attempt to escape the empire to like give her an equal part in the film. Uh, Because as it is, I totally agree. Something is deeply absent from the movie and it makes that you could almost get behind the idea that it's sort of this like antagonistic romance between Leia and Han. If it wasn't so one-sided, like, yeah, if Leia had a say in stuff and like, okay, we're going to try my plan and like, oh, they achieve this and they almost get away or da, 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 da. and then like Han's like, all right, well, now we have to try my plan da, 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 da. and like it doesn't work fully either, but it also does something successfully. It's like, yeah, 
that would make it the the antagonistic romance i think a little bit more charming because it would be like two people who are both good at their jobs but like need each other to like get 100 percent sort of thing um yeah and they they butt heads or whatever whereas as it is it's sort of just like this like domineering guy and leia's like just kind of helplessly strapped into the falcon <laughs> yep so uh and also um some of the other things that you brought up were pretty decent. Um, yeah, like the. I'm sorry that I, I went on a tangent there a few minutes ago with the Palpatine thing. I feel really bad about that for both you <laughs> and the audience. Uh, it's sometimes like I lose track of time, but uh, I do think there is some merit to what I said there. Like Palpatine as a character is cool and all, but like his presence does kind of cause some problems for like the longevity of things, you know. Yeah, and maybe in a future where, in a in a hypothetical, well, I guess at this point it would be the past. In a hypothetical past where it became like Luke's quest and Han's adventures, the Emperor being a character wouldn't have been a problem because it kind of would have been two different people that Luke can like um, have adversity with, and you know maybe they could take that in an interesting direction or you know you could do that you could also kind of pin that problem more on return of the jedi because it's kind of the job of the ending movie of any series to yes end things but like leave the door cracked open like just a little bit just in case you do want to revisit things in the future which return of the jedi doesn't really do it just slams the door shut like you could still have a character like palpatine exist and still have him die at the end of return of the jedi but then have something to imply that like you know maybe there's still some kind of other evil out there somewhere on the other side of the galaxy or something i don't know you you know what i'm trying to say like oh absolutely Uh, the thing that i keep on thinking about is this in terms of like samurai movies Mm -hmm. and like the thing that i'm imagining when you say that and how like it could have gone is like in you know sengoku jidai it's like the shogun is the guy behind everything like he's the big bad but then there are these lower level guys who are like his generals and like vader could have been one of those like quote-unquote lower level guys but still the one luke was obsessed with and at the end of the trilogy he defeats vader but then he like realizes it's like wait that's not going to end the war that like, that's actually originally yeah. what they were going to do too because revenge of the jedi the earlier script the the emperor doesn't die in that movie i actually don't think he even ever shows up i think that whole movie is just about what you just said with luke defeating vader and I think the whole thing about Vader still redeeming himself upon death somehow is still there somewhere. I don't know the exact details of that script, but I just know that Palpatine does not die in that version. There was still going to be other movies after that where Luke figures out that he has a sister on the other side of the galaxy because Leia originally wasn't going to be a sister. Right. And he goes and he, he takes off like Clint Eastwood. Like that's how it's described in the script. Like he takes off into the sunset. He finds his sister in later movies. They train and then they defeat the Emperor. So like basically a lot of what we saw in the sequel trilogy now was originally going to be movies that happened like in the 80s with a much younger Mark Hamill. And instead of training a surrogate daughter, he's training his sister. You know, so. Yeah, that that sounds I mean, obviously, that would still have flaws and everything. All these it would. Have I, flaws, I, I, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that on paper, just at least as you say, it sounds a lot better to me. Mm-hmm. Um and again, I don't want a future as much as I love this, like, you know, like uh, samurai family betrayal drama. I love that stuff. But as much as I say that, I also would not want the future of Star Wars to just be that. 
I would want Han to be and Chewie to be off smuggling, st- stealing from the Empire, getting into wacky adventures. Yeah. I really don't. I really don't think that Star Wars is complete at this point without both happening. Uh, yeah, I agree. And actually, I think it also ties to the idea that, like, when Lucas made A New Hope, he had the idea of like having two completely different kinds of heroes together. One who's very selfish and one who's very selfless. You know, Han is kind of like more of a Western type hero, at least. And, and Luke is more of like an Eastern type Oriental, whatever the right word to say there is type of hero samurai, I guess, like, like you put it. And uh, yeah, that, that dichotomy is really cool, but it really only works for like one movie when you think about it. And then after a while, these characters start to get in the way of each other. And you, it's yep. almost like you want to see them go off and do each their own individual things. But like Han and Leia get really sidelined in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And then on top of that, we see it again in the sequel trilogy. Finn and Poe get kind of sidelined yep. in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. You know, um, I don't know. I, I guess it's just uh, the, all the Star Wars movies, most of them at least really have this problem of like protagonists constantly trying to push each other out of the way. And almost it's almost like they're saying, like, get out of the way. I'm the protagonist right now. You know, like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed that that's a problem with, um, <laughs> I don't really know what the word for this is, but I, I guess I'll just use the word that maybe will offend some people, I don't know. But like nerddom is <laughs> that for some reason people seem to think that if you put more stuff in a story, it's going to be better. And the reality is that if you put more stuff in a story you just end up with a bunch of things fighting with each other to yeah. be the story. Yeah, you got to break things apart and give things breathing room. I've really learned that a lot with my own writing. Yeah, and, and it's sort of like one of the, the weirder things is like the best stories are are sort of like they're, when you think about it, like kind of obnoxiously simple things. Like the you don't need like 12 different protagonists all with different superpowers all coming together to defeat giant purple spaceman. I'll leave you guys to determine who I'm complaining about there. But like it's just like <laughs> it, it like just have protagonist if you want to have another protagonist or maybe a couple more it's like okay well you have to start designating who's the main character and who are secondary characters now okay so be careful with how many of those guys you put in and then just have like a central threat a dragon it's like these these things scaling everything up so that it's like everything appears in the story it's like it's not storytelling isn't a grocery store you don't want all the options available you want one option available essentially yeah like and i mean you see it with star wars because like new hope had one central conflict in the ending then empire had two like okay still cool but now we're kind of pushing it then return of the jedi had three endings all at once like in the climax and then phantom menace had Had four four endings. you know it's like it's it's exactly what you're saying you just stop shoving so much shit into this you know but yeah and uh just like what you said is empire took a risk it also just has problems in its story like anything else does yeah um but the i i don't think there's anything in empire that is saying 
I want Star Wars to turn into Return of the Jedi. I think that Empire leaves it the door wide open for it to still turn into whatever people want it to. The problem is that it seems like people just want trilogies. I don't know why. I don't really understand. People want stories to have like all the tones at once. Yeah, for some reason. And people, at least here in the West, are just way too obsessed with the pattern of three thing. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. Like, oh, it's Joseph Campbell. It's First of all, none of you have ever even read Hero with a Thousand Faces. You looked up an outline of it on Wikipedia. And second of all, like if Campbell like saw like what people were doing with his findings and turning it into these corny Hollywood blockbusters, he would have never even published that book. I'm willing to bet. That being said, when it comes to the whole pattern of three thing, like the second act is usually always like double the length of the first and third act. It's really more like a pattern of four. And actually, you could even see it in Star Wars. So, like, I'll ask you this rhetorical question or not rhetorical. You can answer it. But um, in your mind, in A New Hope, where do you think act one ends and act two begins? Uh, I mean, I would say that act one ends sometime while they're on the Falcon having escaped Tatooine. Right. That's what and most before people before they get to the Death Star, yeah. That's what most people would say, right? That yeah. like act one is Tatooine, Act Two is the Death Star, and Act Three is Yavin Four, right? That's basically it. so in my mind, Act One ends when Luke te- tells Kenobi, I want to learn the ways of the force and become a Jedi like my dad. And Act Two begins when they get to the Cantina. That's like mm. Act Two A. Okay, I see. And then Act Two B is the Death Star. You, that, that's what I mean about like Act Two is always double the length of the other of Acts One and Three in a movie, and you can right, see. I see what you're saying is like uh, the the first act ends when Luke accepts his call, his the, the call, yeah, call to adventure, yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and like um, that's actually kind of a good way to look at it too, because that's sort of when the conflict with for Luke like ends up being like him interacting with the outside world rather than the inside world that he's mm-hmm. already used to. Like he knows Obi-Wan and he knows Tusken Raiders, but like most Eisley, he doesn't know gangsters. He doesn't know the empire. Um, so that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. And you could see it in really all the other movies too. Like even in force awakens that has more of like a four act structure too. Cause act one is again, the desert planet. I'd say act two a is like the show with the octopuses on Han, <laughs> Han ship. And then also, a little bit of like that of the Maz planet and then act two B is like the rest of the Maz planet and Leia's planet. Like when they regroup on Leia's planet to like come up with their game plan. And then act three would be like the star killer base. And then you have the cute little epilogue at the end there with Luke's Island. But, um, so most of these movies, like when you really start to think about them, they have more of a four act structure than a three act structure. In my opinion, that's why I think we really need to get out of this. Like, trilogies are like the magical thing mindset it's it's not healthy for like modern blockbuster storytelling well and also uh like there are so many things that don't really even abide by acts that are really good um i mean just as an example like uh for anybody out there who cares i was just playing the the first game in the witcher series and that game has like a prologue five chapters and then an epilogue it's like it doesn't abide by any thing that is even remotely resembling like act like yeah all of it's almost like a it's almost like an anthology with overarching narrative tied through it that like loosely ties everything together and then ends up 
um, uh, coming together. Also, um, I've been reading um, a bunch of William Gibson's uh, sprawl trilogy books. Like I've read Neuromancer and now I'm reading Count Zero. And Gibson always structures his books in a really cool way where he does three different perspectives. Um, uh, I guess you could call them arcs. But they're kind of supposed to take place like vaguely simultaneously. And then there's always a final segment where they intersect. So there are four sections in those books. Um, so I don't know. It's like, I feel like people really limit themselves with the idea of these like garbage trilogies. Like, it's like, you're really just like sabotaging yourself for no real reason. Yeah. Storytelling is so much more fluid than people give it credit for. I think 100%. And again, not to toot my own horn, but just because I've been trying to write my own stuff too. Now I really relate to that. Like in the last year or so, I've really tried to like get out of the, mindset of like having to put everything into a specific structure and just kind of like going with the flow and it's really helped me a lot you know at least with making progress and things like that so it could be very freeing when you just like let your mind go yeah and also i think that um i think in uh my circles of talking with friends sometimes like i suggest things and like people are like well nobody would ever go for that because it's like too wacky and sometimes that is true like sometimes i think i suggest ideas that are sort of like uh they're (laughs) whatever whatever the red letter media meme is they're borderline experimental or whatever (laughs) but um but i think that a lot of the time what i am suggesting is almost just like how about we not do a trilogy but it's i don't know what it is but it's like uh people think that there's some like curse that will arrive on your family if you don't structure your books as a trilogy. I've noticed that too. Whenever I talk to people about my stuff, it's weird. Well, and also it's so strange to me as well, because I think Brandon Sanderson has almost like painfully proved that you can have as many trilogies as you want and people won't complain. Because that dude has like 40,000 books. But so many of them are organized as trilogies. Even the ones that are like in a series of like seven books. It's like three trilogies and he hasn't finished writing the other two books. It's is like, is a Stormlight Archive structured that way? I, know I, think that, is. I think there's like a loose over... I could be wrong. I mean, maybe somebody will... will will make a point to you when you post this like nope Mm -hmm. Dom's just wrong on that but I think that there's some loose idea that it's like there are it's like two trilogies and he hasn't finished writing it or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I don't know it's I think it's weird how people people are sort of like brainwashed when they hear the word trilogy but as long as you say like well now I'm just going to work on my fourth trilogy people are like oh that makes sense it's yeah i don't really get it's also weird because harry potter is seven books and it's like one of the most pa- like popular things ever yeah. so it's like why didn't people get upset about that not being a trilogy yeah but for some reason it's it's especially with star wars but i also notice with notice it with other things yeah that it's um it's like trilogy this is okay this is actually what i'll say it's either you make a trilogy or you make infinite installments of something like you literally just make it until people won't buy it anymore 
And I think that both of those philosophies are wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's got to be something kind of in the middle. But you are right that it especially seems to be a thing with Star Wars, though, because uh, you probably remember this. A few months ago, uh, Kathleen Kennedy said that they do plan on eventually doing more stories with Ray, Finn, and Poe. And she didn't specify trilogy. She just said more stories, which can mean anything. It can mean a TV show. It can mean just one new movie. Who knows? You know, like. Yep. But I remember I told my parents that, like, and they were like, oh, I can't wait for the new trilogy. And then, like I said, like, no, they didn't specifically say trilogy. They, and they were like, oh, OK. But then, like, a few months later, I was talking to them again and they were like, I can't wait for the new trilogy. You know, like, it just it's like it's like stuck in people's minds for some reason. It's weird. Yeah. It's also just um, it's also strange because in, like, the wacky world of Hollywood where, like, nothing is not not even the second half of dune was a done deal until dune came out like yeah it um and even that he wants to turn into a trilogy too now right he yeah with messiah or whatever yeah but like but he wants to take a break too as you yeah yeah but like it's this weird world where um like a like they they Grover Clevelanded the with the directors like they did they did Abrams then they didn't do Abrams then they did Abrams again it's like what what are they what are you oh, doing yeah. that that was a massive mistake yeah well, if you're go- and yeah. then like obviously I know that they were supposed to do Colin Trevorrow and I've read the Duel of the Fate script and whatnot but like the it's it, I don't know it's it's um I I really do think that. And this is the thing is I think that everybody will complain about this, but then everybody will also just watch all of these movies and, you know, not ignore the problems as long as they're not like obvious and ruining things. But like, I really don't think this like made by committee way with like politics is a way to make movies because if, if you can't write a story without knowing if you're going to get funding for like the last 20% of it because of like studio politics and like, Oh, well we didn't get enough uh, praise from screenings or whatever. It's like, how are you supposed to write anything remotely competent? I don't, I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's to make money. So, I mean, I obviously understand that I don't really have an alternative to that that would make anybody happy, but I think that that's the reason that we get like these trilogy pieces of crap or like infinite installments is it's just like you make a trilogy, but you make it just one awkward movie at a time because of, you know, studio green lighting, or you just make infinite installments because coincidentally your story keeps getting good revenue and the studio keeps going I want another one of those. I want another one of those. I want another one of those. And it's like, these are just such bad ways to tell stories. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why when you have things, the only compromise I can think of is like, just trying to keep things as like loose and episodic as much as possible. Where like, there's no clear beginning Uh, goal or end goal. It's just like each story is just its own thing. And you're just taking it one step at a time. That's really the only way I could see which is, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. I think that generally things should start should start as humble ventures and say we're going to be a single installment, and then if people like it, it's like okay, we're going to be another installment. 
another yeah just keep things like singular as much as possible and like it's like yeah this is just a totally different and i mean obviously there's the risk of i guess that turning into infiniteness but um yeah which again yeah but again that kind of goes back to why i am a little more sour on empire than most people is Mm -hmm. that it doesn't really have that episodic kind of feel to it you know, just to kind of wrangle this back to the discussion of the original trilogy is that like, right. Like new hope is the kind of movie that you could watch. You could watch new hope without having seen any of the other star Wars movies that take place before or after it. And you'd be completely fine. You can't really do that with empire. Like the moment you start it, like you have to have seen a new hope to understand the context. And then it doesn't have its own ending. Like you have to watch return of the Jedi in order to have those loose ends tied up in, in lay brackets draft. It was a little more like, uh, episodic it like stood on its own a little bit more so it didn't really have like the it didn't have the i am your father twist first of all and second of all it didn't have the cliffhanger ending with han where he gets frozen in carbonite and shift away they still wrote han out of the story because again harrison ford was still like a liability at this point uh but the way they did it was different they they, it was something like he in the beginning of the story leia asks him to go find his estranged stepfather because he had like a stepfather who was like a military expert or something and han doesn't want to do it but then by the end of the movie he's convinced to go do it so it ends with him leaving and like you could basically jump into the next movie after that like let's say in this hypothetical scenario harrison ford doesn't come back you know they don't come to like a financial agreement with him you could have the next movie start with saying like oh han's just gone and like yeah watching empire in between those would help but like it wouldn't be a necessity in that way you know like I guess that's kind of more or less what I'm trying to say is that you want things to connect together, but not to the point where they overly depend on each other, you know? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess it depends. Like, do you want that for Lord of the Rings? I don't. I mean, like, Well, like, again, Lord of the Rings is different because he wrote all three of those at the same time, you know? It's okay, just... I mean, uh, this is the thing that you're less familiar with. Do you want that for Avatar The Last Airbender? No. I well, I've, I've never seen... Yeah, I've yeah, never I seen that show. Yeah, I want to see how so. the Fire Lord sort of thing. Like, you know, it's like... Yeah, I guess it, it works for point, some yeah. things and it doesn't for others. I mean, the, this right. isn't like a one-size-fits-all thing. True, but, true, true. Uh, I do agree that perhaps Star Wars should have been that. Uh, I think specifically for Star Wars, that's it would have worked better as that. Yeah, just because it's based, it's basically just Flash Gordon reskinned. And then that's... again, I mean, huh, I don't know. I would be really curious about this. If you asked people coming out of uh, coming out of a, a New Hope, or really, it was just Star Wars at the time in mm-hmm. 1977, and you asked people what you would want to see from another thing. I don't think they would answer Splinter of the Mind's Eye. They would say, I want to see Luke fight Vader. Well, Luke does fight Vader in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh, does he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he fights him. Okay, yep. well, then there you go. But then wouldn't that require context from A New Hope? I mean, like, that's... Uh, it's different. I mean, yeah, it does require context from A New Hope. It's just... Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like, uh, it starts off with leia and luke like on a mission to go recruit additional rebels and then they get stranded on like a remote planet and then the whole story takes place on just that one remote planet it's a little more self-contained i i guess like still watching a new hope would help but it doesn't it doesn't end on a big cliffhanger ending like empire does 
And neither did lay brackets draft of Empire, is what I'm saying. I think that's just the thing with me. I don't like big cliffhanger endings. Oh, uh, that is fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Empire opens well, where you don't need much context. Yeah, yeah that's, true. that's true. It does not end you... well, yeah, where you don't give... need much more context. I'll give you that. It does, it does yeah. actually kind of open well, where like it reestablishes the characters. and so. Actually, weirdly enough, in some ways, it might work better without having the context of A New Hope in the beginning. Because you made the point that like in Empire, it starts off with Han having second thoughts about joining the Rebels and wanting to run away. But there's nothing really to set that up. Like At the end of A New Hope, he's hunky-dory and happy to be there. And then suddenly, when you when you start with Empire, he's just back to wanting to run away again. And I mean, the, so I like if you kind of like watch Empire like, on its own, it kind of works better in that sense. What were you gonna say? Sorry, I was gonna say it's, it's kind of like a I don't know. I, I think that that's the thing where the opening crawl kind of gives me enough information. It's like they destroyed the Death Star, but then the Empire booted them out of Yavin. I feel like Han, as soon as they started losing again, would be like, uh oh. I don't like where we're going. And now he's stranded on an ice planet with them. I feel like he wouldn't like that. That is true, too. That is true, too. Also, I have to say, boy, uh, the opening crawl. Have you have you ever paid attention to the fact that this is a perfect example of of where Return of the Jedi really starts messing things up? If you watch the opening crawls, just the opening crawls Mm -hmm. of all of these movies. Of the original trilogy movies, because we're just talking about the original trilogy here. Yep. A New Hope is a great opening crawl. Very whimsical, yep. Very whimsical, tells you all you need to know for the opening scene. Yep. Um, Like, gives you uh, Rebels stole the plans, they're running away with the plans, the, the Death Star can destroy planets, like, here you go, enjoy, sort of thing. And it sets up, it does like a little bit of world building. Like it, you know that there's the Rebel Alliance, you know that there's the Empire, you know that they're fighting over this thing called the Death Star. There you go. In um, Empire Strikes Back, it gives you the context you need on why you haven't uh, uh, build you know why why it isn't just picking up exactly where it left off with like the rebels on their high of victory like okay they won but the empire is still massive and controls the galaxy so they attacked yavin and managed to kick the rebels out uh it it establishes uh vader has become obsessed with hunting luke skywalker yeah that's that a cool... part's really cool like reading that in that crawl is really exciting like... yeah that's a cool that's a cool um uh thing that is new because Vader didn't even know who Luke was in yeah. uh, New Hope, and it uh, it sets up that Vader is going to be even nastier in this movie, which he is. He's really cruel in yeah. uh, Empire. Yeah, he's brutal. Yeah, and then it gives you that, like, uh, you know, Luke is, you know, or, oh, it gives you the probe droids are hunting, so you know, like, that the rebels' safety is temporary sort of thing so that's good but then if you read the return of the jedi opening crawl it is basically like copy pasted the a new hope crawl for the second two paragraphs really (laughs) it's 
Okay, so it opens... I, I haven't seen these movies in a long time, so I, I never... I don't even remember the Return of the Jedi crawl. So I the, think they're worth it. The A New Hope crawl ends with, like, um, the Rebel Alliance is continuing their fight to restore freedom to the galaxy. That's, like, the last line of it. Yeah. It's something like that. I, I remember that, yeah. And it calls the Death Star, like, an armored space station. Yeah. In Return of the Jedi... The first paragraph is like the Luke and his friends are going on a daring adventure to save their friend Han. It's like, yeah. okay, that's a new thing. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The second paragraph is like, little do they know that the Empire is building their armored space station, even <laughs> more menacing than the first armored space station they built. I remember and, that, yeah. And then the third paragraph is like... uh. <laughs> you know they have to rescue han or whatever and get back to the rebel alliance so they may continue their fight to restore freedom to the galaxy like it's literally just copy paste yeah <laughs> it's so bad like yeah it, it it really shows that they like ran out of things to do already yeah. in star wars like they're just taking plot threads and literally like exposition and just yeah. copy pasting it it's terrible yeah I guess the one defense you could say there is that at the time they were treating it like it was the last movie, so they they figured like oh full circle whatever. But I I agree with you though that like yeah it really shows that they were just running out of gas. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm always a big fan of when like things are able to keep the material fresh. Same and here. I would say that, um, you know despite its faults just reading the opening crawl of empire it keeps and, things fresh yeah. and comparing it to the a new hope one you can tell that this is a new story filled with new ideas yep that yep. are an exciting build on the first thing yeah. like oh darth vader is obsessed with the protagonist now he's hunting him sort of yeah. thing like oh the rebels are on the run like, ooh, this is cool. Like, and our, our protagonist is embedded in them now. Like, it's not just they're on the run and Luke doesn't even know who they are, sort of thing. It's like, oh, these are exciting things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think? Jedi is just a copy. Yeah. You know what I think? I just had a new theory based on what we were just talking about here. So, when Lucas wrote, well, for Empire Strikes Back, Lucas originally hired Leigh Brackett, who was a popular 1950s pulp uh, science fiction author, to write the initial draft. And then she wrote her draft, and then sadly she passed away of cancer. So then Lucas brought in Lawrence Kasdan to basically clean it up. Yeah. And he, he, you know, aside from the different ending, he kept most of the rest of her structure pretty much intact. He just, but he injected much better dialogue into it. Lawrence Kasdan's really good with dialogue. He is, yeah. But then when it came, to, and at the same time, for Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Lucas hired another 1950s pulp sci fi author, Alan Dean Foster, to write that one. And Splinter. Right. Splinter has problems, but like if you read a summary of it on paper, it actually plays out. It sounds really cool. It's just once you start actually reading the book is where the problems come in. But <laughs> um, uh, then for Return of the Jedi, Lucas didn't like hire like he didn't go recruit another 1950s like pulp sci fi author. He just told Lawrence Kasdan to write the script. Like, mm. I think maybe like he needs he probably needed to like recruit more like people of that ilk to like maintain those like new ideas coming in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he probably needed a little bit more like awareness of where Star Wars was kind of like going on the the end of Empire. And yeah. he should have hired a person who had a little bit more experience with like, 
okay, how do I, how do I, um, set up Luke as like this, this more like vengeful, uh, I mean, honestly, he's kind of turning into like the cowboy Western hero at that point, not Han. They were and, flipping. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. And like how, how I need to bring, maybe he should have honestly brought on two people, like one who's more of an expert in like the pulpy sci-fi stuff to handle Han. And then one who's more of like, where do we take Han from here? Help me, help me get this character to exit the story gracefully in a way that sets up future Han stuff. And then I can handle the Luke the, nuance. The yeah. Luke nuance. Like yeah. that, that honestly probably is what needed to happen. Um, yeah. Of course it didn't. Uh, and I, so. I still would have kept Lawrence Kasdan on the writing team. Cause like, he oh, for have, the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. For, for, honestly, the, for the like the punch up. Yeah. The return, the return Jedi dialogue is pretty lame, I would say. Yeah, maybe he, yeah, that is true. Maybe Kazdan was just running out of gas there. But then, like down the road, Kazdan wrote uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, which I think very good dialogue. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess maybe he was just having a bad year when he wrote Return of the Jedi. I don't know. <laughs> I think all these people were just like really like out of gas when you know by the time they got to that movie, like Lucas just went through a really bad divorce. You know, it was just. Han, uh, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford were starting to not get along, according to Carrie Fisher, because Ford was getting all these other movies and Hamill was getting envious, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. All, all these people were just, like, out of gas, Yeah, Maybe they needed to take a break, like an even longer break than what they took, you know. Like, yeah, it is It is a shame how all of this stuff ends up being, um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, I think that all of this stuff becomes an infinitely harder effort um, when it becomes the intersection of like so much talent, writing talent, yeah. directing talent, acting talent, talent, yeah, um, uh, it is kind of one of those things where you almost realize how like pleasantly insulated just like writing a book is compared to dude, one hundred percent trying to you know, I mean, pick any single position involved in Return of the Jedi. And like, I don't want to be that person. Like, yeah. I don't really want to be the person. The closest would be that I would want to be the person to write it because I can at least hide in the background. But even then, even then, you have to debate with like the director and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I don't know how you do that. I think that it's weird because movies are such fascinating things and they're clearly like, they can clearly reach such high potential and like, uh, results because they're this huge collaborative effort but it's like a double-edged sword where it can kind of like fall apart so easily yeah no i i definitely see what you're saying there um like i said i i could be a little bit forgiving of return of the jedi just because i know how burnt out these people were when they made it it also doesn't help that the life-size model of the falcon that they built for new hope and empire had burnt down Yep. in an accident shortly after empire so it's like then then they had to rely on like models and matte paintings for and like just the small cockpit interior set for the falcon they rebuilt that but like i don't know even just something like that like must have made them all go like i'm done <laughs> you know like it just uh, oh yeah which yeah. i mean i think that that's an important point to uh like make here is that um I, I don't really like fault or have any, I certainly don't have any animosity towards like anybody who worked on Return of the Jedi. I don't care enough about Star Wars to feel that way. Uh, yeah. I don't have animosity I, either. For whenever, whenever I talk about any of this stuff, it's like, it's, 
it's all from the perspective of it being like a writing exercise in my head. Um, yeah, yeah, same. And thing. obviously, I know that that's sort of ignoring you know the variables that are like directing it and actually act like actors and all putting it all together right right right. but um it's i'm sure that if you asked like a person who was more interested in the film side of things they would view it from like a directorial experiment like oh what would i do here and how would i have done that like yeah it just it's just happens to be that the way that i am interested in things is from a writing standpoint it's the same thing if i ever bring up video games like i'm not calling the video game or the people who programmed it bad at their jobs obviously i don't understand i don't have a lot of experience with any of the stuff that they had to do it's more just like from a framework of like how would i have structured this story better what do i think could have been fixed what do i think is like a problem point and yeah return of the jedi um it's pretty evident from the get-go that it was already it was the first step on the pathway towards becoming the prequel trilogy and i think me saying that reveals that i have a negative bias towards the prequel trilogy but what i what i mean when i say that is that uh there's so many parts of the movie that are like slow and have dull meandering dialogue like the whole opening segment of going to jabba's palace uh boring all- shit all of the um all of the introductory the 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 scenes with the empire in uh a new hope is so fascinating because it's like you're learning about this antagonistic organization and then in in uh in empire strikes back like they're like really punchy like everybody's afraid of vader and on edge and vader's like storming around choking people like you failed me for the last time like sort of thing and then in a new hope like even the empire seems burned out they're just like oh can't the rebels lose already like they're all walking around like with their stupid parades while every like ship is landing in the death star first the guy walks up to vader and he's like oh the death star is on schedule sir and vader's like the emperor's coming to verify that and then it's like the next scene is Darth Vader walks up as shuttle lands. The Emperor is there, and Vader goes, "The Death Star is on schedule, yeah, sir." And yeah. the Emperor goes, "Like we'll see about that." Like, yeah. it's just like it—it's so dry, and the characters aren't doing anything interesting. Yeah, it, and there's it's like, no energy. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, um, that's even something that I could give. Uh, the trilogy goes downhill in a way from that perspective, in that. Uh, a new hope obviously has one of the most iconic opening sequences in a movie ever um and empire strikes back does get you into the action reasonably quickly like you see the probe droid land so you immediately know it's like uh oh the empire's coming and then uh luke gets mauled by the wampa so you're immediately dragged into the conflict of like uh oh luke's trapped outside and han has to go after him but that's not as obviously interesting as the rebel blockade runner getting attacked uh and mm-hmm. then in Return of the Jedi, like nothing happens for the first like 15 minutes of the movie. Like nothing yeah. happens. People just talk. Yeah. Until the Rancor battle. Yeah. And it's like these movies, uh, not to sound like uh uh like a Michael Bay action junkie, but they really need to like get you into the the thrill yeah. faster. Yeah. No, 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 they do. That's the you know, they're comfort movies, so they gotta like uh 
kind of come for you with you know like uh, a sense of energy you know what i mean like uh, yeah. to grip you yeah yeah well and also like immediately look at um jump forward to uh the phantom menace even though i would say that it's like my favorite of the prequel trilogy like its opening is so dry it's so much boring dialogue master yoda told me to be mindful of the future like go (laughs) away obi-wan do something (laughs) more interesting than wine to qui-gon like the the closest thing it's like you like all about taxation of trade routes what's going on here yeah Yeah. it's uh the return of the jedi is the first step to becoming the prequels i would say yeah i think a lot of people share that sentiment of the return of jedi basically being the proto prequels and then uh like the ewoks are like proto gungans and stuff kind of yeah yeah uh and, and I do agree. Uh, and I think this conversation has really, you know, like you've really helped me to see that Empire is not quite as like uh, uh, harmful to the future of the franchise or, you know, the now past, but then future as I thought it was over these last couple of years. But that being said, I do still think like it does share some of the blame in like boxing things. And like Empire was the first one to to put episode numbers in the movies, you know, it when it debuted in theaters in 1980, it had episode five in the title crawl. Lucas likes to claim that new hope was supposed to have episode four in the title crawl and that the studio made him cut it. I think that's total bullshit. He's he's just talking out of his ass when he says that there's nothing as far as like leaked drafts over the years or anything like that to indicate that. So I think that as far as we know, the actual evidence that we have not hearsay or anything, the whole episode number concept started with empire. And that oh, see, interesting. You, I didn't know that because I, I would say I don't like that at all. I mean, yeah, same. I, yeah, yeah, I think that was a huge mistake, like putting numbers to things because it, it creates the problem of what I was saying before. But like some movies are more important than others, blah, 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 you, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I would have said. Uh, oh, and this is how I would have. Uh, this is how I thought it happened, too, was like it was just. Star Wars then either Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back or just The Empire Strikes Back, and then either Star Wars The Return of the Jedi or Star Wars, or, or just Return of the Jedi. See, that's how they were marketed. That's how they, yeah, that, like, that's all the posters and trailers that. have that in the marketing, but in the actual movies, even the original unfucked editions, it had episodes five and episode six. The only yeah, one that see, did that's, not... that's garbage. I exactly. thought, I thought yeah. they only retroactively became that after Lucas announced... Or after Lucas started sort of like... Fucking with them. Right? Yeah, messing with them, and then in the early 90s indicating that he was going to make a prequel trilogy. Yeah, so. that's what that's what most people think, but I, I dug into it, and they, they did... In 1980 and 1983, they did have episodes five and six, and they, people were like really confused about that. They were like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is episode five? What happened to episodes two, three, and four? <laughs> like they, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that is that is super bad because I would agree that that is a case of um, boxing something in, right? Because th- that's the that's the big problem. Is I, I said it earlier. Is Empire Strikes Back did close a door, but it also opened a door in Return, and then Return yes. only closed a door, which is why it's yep. really bad. Yeah, but yeah. Return Jedi is just all slamming doors shut. Yep. 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 But I would say that that is also a door that Empire closed and it didn't open anything in return. Right, or like right, right. It didn't open anything in exchange for that. It just right, kind of right. said like, well, I'm the fifth one in a series that you don't know the first, second, and third in. There you go. Deal with that. Right. It's like, okay, why? 
you could yeah. have just been em- the Empire Strikes Back or whatever. Right, um, just another one of many in a potentially infinite series, you know, because like it goes back to what I was saying of like, to be fair to them, they didn't know probably back then that Star Wars was going to be this never ending thing. But in a way, they kind of did because I remember watching a, I, on the Blu-ray of Star Wars, the, the, it has a, a little like a behind the scenes making of documentary that came out on TV back in like Christmas 1977. So like six months after the movie. So by this point, it was already a, a pop culture phenomenon, but it was still only one movie. And it was like, it was a cute little kids special hosted by C-3PO and R2. So, you know, Anthony Daniels in his C-3PO costume standing next to an R2 prop. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the special, um, they, they talk about the Empire Strikes Back. Like they say like, oh, R2, we're getting another movie. And then R2 does some beeps. And then three, C-3PO is like, you're right, R2. Perhaps it will never end. Because uh, he asks some question like, uh, how many movies do you think we're going to get, R2? <laughs> I, I, I shit you not. This is real. I, I wish I could find this. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But... Probably, yeah. So like even in 1977, they had this idea. It was in their heads a little bit of like, hey, maybe this really is like a never ending thing. And I kind of wish they would have like ran with that a little more. You know what I mean? Like kept that in mind a little more when they were making all these other movies. Like, hey, we don't know if this really is the last one. Let's not slam all these doors. Let's leave some of these doors cracked open a little bit just in case we ever do come back to this. You know, and I think had they been doing that, we would not have had as many problems with the newer movies as we do now. Absolutely. It's it's um, it's like. It's a weird, fine balancing act because personally, I don't like when things are just ad infinitum, like uh, the MCU. Uh, mm-hmm. Just it just keeps it, it. It's almost like mocking you with it's like, yeah. Uh-huh, well, guess gonna what? Going. Yeah. We're gonna have another movie next. Uh-huh. Year. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that too. Um, I just feel like with Star Wars, there was no other option. But go ahead. Ex- exactly is with Star Wars you should operate under that way. The key is having the dignity to bow out when you have run out of stuff. Now, nothing ever ends gracefully in that regard. That's one of the reasons that I don't like infinite things is that people hang on to things way too long, but it's still the, it's, it's the best of the pathways because the other ones are even worse. Yeah. It's the, it's the lesser of two evils or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, the, it's also just like a good, you know, it's based on Flash Gordon. That's just like a bunch of different like serials. It's, it's a perfect thing to just say, like, who knows when it'll end? It'll end when people get bored. It'll end when I don't feel like making any more sort of thing. It's like a perfect <laughs> thing for that. Yeah. Um, uh, and but yeah, you're right that's something like airbender i like i've never seen that show but just from what i've heard about it from you and other people it would not work for airbender you know what I mean? like, oh no 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 because i mean in the very first like couple of episodes it's like oh okay i know exactly how this show ends it right, ends right. it establishes itself fire. as a very yeah. finite story yeah. yeah so you're right it depends on the property it depends on the context it does you know? yeah and yeah as you said star wars is the Star Wars is the perfect thing for just being itself until whoever decides it shouldn't be around anymore, whether that's the creators or the audience. Yeah. Eventually it will end. It's uh, no coincidence yeah. that for the most part, the, the most warmly receptive parts of Star Wars are the parts that are more loose, more episodic, not dealing with all the big galaxy wide stakes or the big family drama, you know? Yes. So, yeah. And that's something that, um, 
is a real shame about uh, the way Return of the Jedi kind of like took the conflict that was set up by uh, Empire, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that when I I did my best when I watched Empire most recently to just like pretend that only a new hope exists. Like, I, mm-hmm. pretend I don't know what the next step is. Mm-hmm. And it's a, kind of a fascinating thing is when the movie ended, my my gut instinct was, oh, wow, Luke's going to have to go after Vader. There was nothing with the Emperor. Like, okay, the Emperor appears in a scene in The Empire Strikes Back, so I know he's around, but, like, it makes sense that Vader answers to him. But I don't really see any reason why the Emperor has to get tied into the plot. Like, the the plot line between Vader and Luke was very personal at the end. It, Mm -hmm. It wasn't like Vader walked up to him and was like, yeah, my boss says that I have to take you down. Like, Vader was like, join me. And together, together we can end this stupid war because we'll be powerful enough to end it together. Like he didn't, he didn't like give him a pitch. Yeah, based on what the emperor said. You know, it's funny is that I agree with what you're saying, and and not only that, but then the sequel trilogy went and repeated this exact same fucking mistake. Where like the conflict between Rey and Kylo Ren at the end of Last Jedi was very personal. They fucking kill the what that trilogy's equivalent of the emperor was to make that point clear. And then the next movie after that just goes ahead and brings Palpatine back yet again. <laughs> like uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. No, no, I, I know what you mean. I, I, that was something that I remember like when I rewatched Empire Strikes Back going like, oh, wow, this is, this is just the last Jedi, like down to the <laughs> part where it's like, uh, to be fair, it has a little bit more nuance in uh, the last Jedi and it's a bit more personal, but like, Kylo literally just says to Ray, like, hey, let's team up. And like, okay, or maybe I shouldn't say that it's more personal in The Last Jedi. It's more impersonal in Empire. Vader is clearly just doing it for like logistical reasons, whereas Kylo seems to actually have more of a character attachment to Ray. But yeah. like Vader just says, like, hey, how about you join me, man? Like, how about we not do this, like, Jedi, Dark Jedi thing? Let's just be ourselves and uh, end this war. It's killing people. It's like, oh, they're just the same movie. Okay. Yeah, it would have been cool if all of Return of the Jedi was just uh, Vader, like, uh, what are they, deadbeat dad, like, trying to fix his deadbeat dad issues. Like, hey, son, want to play catch kind of thing, but, like. The, equi- the Star Wars equivalent of that of like, hey, you know, want to rule the galaxy, son? You know, like, uh, yeah. like Family Guy made that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a really good continuation of the Luke Vader story that's out there where like Vader. It's like. um, So in in A New Hope, it's like sort of this impersonal thing where like. Luke doesn't really know much about Vader. Okay, he saw him kill Obi-Wan, but he doesn't really have a personal grudge against him. He just wants to blow up the Death Star because it's threatening to blow up the planet. Uh, Vader doesn't know who Luke is. He just is like, huh, this guy's strong with the Force. What's going on here? So it's like impersonal. Then in Empire, Vader's obsessed with Luke. And then by the end of Empire, Luke has become obsessed with Vader. And in Return of the Jedi, they're both obsessed with each other. And like it inevitably has to end in some... like 
you know confrontation yeah i just it's it's so disappointing that like the emperor got caught up in all this stuff because like the it, emperor yeah. is just not that like compelling in the yeah, story he just, has no relationship to any of them yeah i'm glad you really brought that up it sucks a lot of the tension out of the air like where he's just kind of chilling there just watching them have work out their daddy issues but like him being there and and establishing him as the one kind of puppeteering vader basically Turning Vader into the Emperor's bitch in Return of the Jedi really sucked a lot of the tension out of the air. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and uh, this is... I guess this is more of a dig at the prequels, but I will bring it up because it has implications on the original trilogy and it does further suck the air out of it, is they, like, totally reworked the entire narrative that it's, like, oh, no, it was actually about Vader being... Oh, the God. emperor's bitch the whole time. That shit, yeah. And it's like, what? No, like that. It makes watching the throne room seem so confusing. It's like, wait, hold on. Am I watching the climax of Vader versus the emperor, or am I watching the climax versus of Luke versus Vader? Like, what's going on here? It's Who's supposed the to be like, yeah, exactly, exactly. It goes back to what I was saying before <laughs> about like protagonists constantly pushing each other out of the way. Some people like to look at it as like a dovetail arc, like it's both of their arcs culminating at once with Vader being the overlap between the two, which, okay, that's, that's fine, but you are right that like it creates this awkward dichotomy. Basically, I think we've talked about this before. Most of the time, I really do not like trio dynamics and storytelling. Not only do I, I dislike trilogy structures, I like trio yeah, I character I dynamics. Yeah. Me too, I prefer duos because there's always just an odd man out, you know? Well, like, also, um, this is like a... a I guess you could, I guess people could write this off as just like, oh, well, it's because the story was told out of order or whatever. But like, if it is a dovetail conclusion, which I mean, in theory, that's a cool idea, I guess. But like, if it is a dovetail conclusion, how come Vader doesn't, you know, maybe once mention in the Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, like, hey, Luke, the Emperor fucked me over too. You know, when they're having he, the private conversations. Doesn't he, he say something? We could destroy the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son. He kind of alludes to it a little bit in Empire, to be fair. Doesn't I just... guess. I mean, like, it, it, that line has always seemed, like, really out of place to me. Because, yeah. like, he... This is, this is something... Oh, this is something that Return of the Jedi does that I dislike. Is... Um, in... At the em- end of Empire... Well, not at the end of Empire, at like the end of the second act of Empire or whatever. Uh, Yoda says, there is another. And it's like, oh, there's another Jedi. Okay. And then they like, (laughs) I don't even know what they try to do here. They like try to retcon the line so that he didn't complete his statement in Return of the Jedi. And he says, like, there is another Skywalker. Like, yeah. it's like, wait, hold on. Why didn't he say there's another Skywalker to Obi-Wan? How did Obi-Wan not know there was another Skywalker? And then uh, in Return of the Jedi, or in, sorry, in Empire Strikes Back, Vader goes, join me and we can end this war. Obviously implying that he wants Luke to join him. And with both of them on their side, they'll just be able to wreck everything and the Empire will maintain control. And then in Return of the Jedi, they retcon that to be, oh, help me beat the Emperor so that uh, we can create a new, cooler Empire that's just you and me. And it's like, that's not what he was implying at all 
an empire. I haven't seen, I actually haven't seen any of these movies in a while, which uh, shame on me. I should have done my homework like you did, but I thought that he said that in empire. I thought for some reason, that's how I imagined it in my mind that he says, Luke, we could, you could destroy the emperor. He has foreseen this. Let's maybe you're right. No, maybe that wasn't. No, I, he Jedi. just yeah. says he doesn't say anything about ruling together as father and son. He says, "Join me, and together we can stop this pointless war, or whatever." He says that. Okay, and it's I'll... like he's uh, again uh, the one I've watched more recently is Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but, uh, I looked up the script for Empire Strikes Back and checked it just to make sure. Like, okay. He does not say anything about like I gotta throw the Emperor down a pit and we'll be father and son duo. Like he just says, like, "Hey, join my side. We're the winning side." Like, we'll the war ends either way is this point sort of thing. So, which again is like such a more interesting conflict to me. Like it, because it's just like a very personal yeah it's yeah. a very like person well it's actually in a way kind of less personal because he says he doesn't say the father and something but well, it's sort so. of just like a it's like a it matches vader's character so much more it's like this just cold calculated logic of like hey man i'm better than you you should probably join me sort of thing and like it adds to me that adds to the tension of like luke wanting to overcome vader whereas like when he pitches it as like father son it's like what is this like like simba trying to resurrect the ghost of his dad so they can beat scar together it's like i don't like is it because they're both voiced by james earl jones <laughs> uh maybe i don't know and, like, it, it just uh yeah now now more than ever i wish i would have read the revenge of the jedi script before we did this because i uh i mean we're gonna do more star wars episodes down the road so so we you know we have time to like do more prep and stuff like that but um because in that script like i said luke uh vader still dies and i'm pretty sure he still has some kind of redemption upon his death but the emperor is nowhere to be seen in that script so i want i'm wondering how it was done there because I bet you it probably is more along the lines of like what you you're going for, you know, like with uh, your pitch here, you know. But uh, yeah. I got to dig that up and read it because well, now now I'm interested. But. Yeah, I mean, also like I don't even know if I'm really pitching anything. I'm just kind of saying what Empire says. Like, yeah, yeah. The uh, I guess that's maybe a thing that, to be fair, it's just kind of down to personal taste. I think that for a lot of people. Oh, I, this is a perfect example. I'll bring it up really quick before, as we're running out of time here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I rem- I watched a video the other day that was the ending of The Matrix with the original soundtrack. Have you ever watched that video? No. Okay, so instead of in, instead of Rage Against the Machine, yep. it's just playing kind of this like it, it almost just sounds like um it sounds like a piece of music that you could mistake for being in like Superman's one, two, and three. Like it's just this very generic like hero music. Mm-hmm. Um, as he flies off into the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the comments, there was a war over people who thought that Rage Against the Machines thing was was better and people who thought that the this original score thing was better. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really one of those reminders that personal taste is just insanely powerful because I oh, listened yeah. to it and I was like, holy crap this is terrible like <laughs> yep. like when when Neo's walking out of the telephone booth and putting on sunglasses you want to hear rage against the against machine the you machine, don't want to yeah, hear yeah. superman yeah yeah um 
And but there were people who were saying like, oh, this resonates way more with me. And I was like, okay, interesting. Uh, th- this is a perfect thing for Star Wars. There are people who love this whole idea of like family saga, the family Palpatine saga, pulling like all the strings, yeah, father son stuff. It's really weird because to me, it's so obviously inferior. But like that, I almost forget that that's my my personal taste. But uh, there are people out there who like that. So I mean, it's it's one of those things that when I say it's like, oh, it's way cooler if Vader is more just doing this as like this cold, calculated, strategic thing. There are probably people out there who would hear me say that and go like, "What are you talking about? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why wouldn't you want it to be this like?" epic story of father and son who have both come across the same evil and now are joining forces to stop it I, I, I don't know what to tell you I mean to me it it's like corny in the worst of ways I don't know it's like not Star Wars corny it's just it's just corny corny I don't know yeah. um, but uh, yeah I don't know so that's a good way to for to, for me to conclude my thoughts is everything I've said here has obviously been my personal opinion and I'm sure to, to I'm sure there will be people who if anybody listens to this will say what the what is this guy talking about he has no idea what would be remotely interesting for Star Wars to do uh, and sometimes I forget that when I talk uh, that is the case so well, I That's you, all I want to conclude with that. No, I think you're fine because everybody who's listening to this is going to think that I'm on drugs because of how much I was rambling a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I am caffeinated right now, though, so that's probably why. But um, no, but I agree that um, uh, everything that I say is just my own opinion, and I am fully self-conscious of that. I'm, you know, I uh, uh, I recognize that I have very contrarian opinions when it comes to a lot of these things, not just with Star Wars, but with movies in general. And, uh, you know, as we do more of these episodes, they'll probably become more and more evident to people. Uh, but I, uh, I fully recognize that my opinions are just my own. That being said, when it comes to the original trilogy, while I don't think it's as perfect as everybody says it is, like if I had to group all these Star Wars movies into their respective trilogies and rank them that way, I'm pretty sure the original trilogy is still my favorite group of the bunch. But that's not really saying much, number one. And number two, just because something is good or even great doesn't mean it didn't have the potential to have been even better, you know? That's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about I, – I really dislike people who think that as soon as you critique something, you think it's bad or what, you're saying it's bad or you're saying it's trash or whatever. I, 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 it, everything can be critiqued. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's just fun. I don't know. I mean, I think that for a lot of people hearing flaws in something isn't fun. To me, it yeah. is. I don't know. Yeah, to but, me, it is. Yeah. I like hearing that shit that I love is not as perfect as I thought it was, you know? As, yeah, because it, it's fascinating to me. I don't know. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I like hearing that there's some good shit in things that I hate. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I love when I say, like, oh, this is this is terrible or whatever. And somebody's well, actually, have you ever noticed this? And I'm like, Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Or whatever. Like I love hearing new information. I love being uh, like proven wrong on. So well, I mean, I don't know if they're proven as any is ever had, like, I don't know if you can ever prove something in these because nothing's really factual on your opinions, but like, uh, I, I love hearing new perspectives that really like completely change how I thought about something. Cause it's really fascinating. Same here.
Yeah. Like even just this conversation, like you, you uh, introduced a new proposition about empire that I hadn't seen before until now. That being said, I still have my issues with empire. I still stand by. Oh, well, same. Yeah. A lot of the things I said on my blog and stuff like that. But, uh, but this was really fascinating. I remember you saying you, uh, you were purposefully waiting until we had this recording to tell me about like what some of your new found uh, epiphanies were about it. So I'm kind of glad you did because it made the conversation all the more enticing. Yeah, I'm glad that like my my pitch worked out well because I was like, I I don't know, it only like really came together in my brain like a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So I was like sitting on it, like, hmm, is this a is this actually stupid or is it as good as it feels okay. in my brain? Well, I think uh, your your pitch almost works just with the fact that uh, you got to get rid of the episode number in in episode five. You know, you, you can't uh, yeah, really have an episode. That's about number. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're one minute down to the timer, so we do got to go. But this was great. Uh, You know, thank you again, as always, Tom. And uh, we'll be back soon, everybody. All right. See you.